um, I have to admit that at this time last year, uh, you were to tell me that uh, churches are going to be shut down, not just for one or two weeks, but for months. And, uh, but, but don't worry, the, the liquor stores will be open and the pot shops will be open. And American Airlines will have their flights stuffed with people on long hours flights from one coast to another. Uh, Home Depot, no problem, you can do that yard work. Uh, but churches are non-essential. They're going to be in the back of the bus and they're not going to... I would say, no. I mean, I'd say, look, brother, you're... you're you know, you need to just relax a little more, take a vacation, you're, you know, you're, yeah, chill pill. I mean, you know, really, this, we're in America, we're in the United States. But as you all know, that's exactly what happened. And uh, we are at a, a very interesting time in our nation's history, but also spiritually. But if the interesting thing is, is that I believe we are seeing scripture coming fulfilled all the more uh, as we look at God's word here this morning. Uh, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, just turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 1. Or, you know, don't bother, just trust me, I'm a lawyer. So, now I really see those, those, those pages flipping. The quick myrtle, quick, get to the... No, no. Um, let's see, it says in chapter 3, verse 1. And this is interesting because this passage, is, I believe, is written for us. I really be- I believe that. Verse 1, it says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Do you know right now, there's two dichotomies taking place in the world right now. One is the fact that Christians are being persecuted more now in the world, and more Christians are being killed just in the last 10 years, that's then at any other time in world history. The, the, the killing is massive. And yet, at no time in, in world history have we seen the volume and the number of people coming to Christ throughout the world. In China, in India, in the Middle East, in Iran, where persecution is so horrific and yet the Spirit of God is moving incredibly. This is a time of a tremendous spiritual warfare that I have not seen in my lifetime, that, that history I don't think has, has seen. And I think it's very uh, telling to where we are today. Uh, verse two, for men will be lovers of themselves. Uh, basically, when we as people say that, that we uh, know the answer, that this is my truth, you have your truth, I have my truth, that's a lie. There's one truth, Jesus, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? There's, there's clear truth, but we say, it's my truth. It's like we're saying um, that we are, we are the number one reference point. It stops with us. It's a self-deity, if you will. Uh, lovers of money. Boy, I felt really convicted by this. I felt so convicted, I sold one of my three yachts. Because I really, no, I'm just, that was a joke. Okay. If I was in Newport, I might have to cut that part out of the message. I'm maybe too close to home for some of them, I don't know. Anyway. Boasters, but, but, but lovers of money, that is a part of our society, materialism, right? And, and, and much of the world has materialism now. Um, and, without, and, and wealth is great if you have Jesus to, to, to use that in, in ways that glorify God. But if you don't have Jesus, wealth is money. It can be like an idol. It can be an obsession. Boasters, proud. Whenever we do something 
that's in defiance are blasphemers. Whenever we do things that are defiance of what God says and we say, no, we're going to do this instead, God's word teaches this, but I mean something instead, it's blasphemy. It's like we're shaking our hand at God. Um, it's like uh, another classic example is like voting, for example. Uh, when we vote in a way that goes against what God's word teaches, we support candidates whose positions and policies go clearly against what the Holy Word of God teaches, we're taking our fist in blasphemy against God, saying that we know what's best. And oftentimes what we, what we know is actually our, our feelings. And what are feelings? That's a tool Satan uses, feelings. Very, deceit, very deceptive. Feelings are very deceptive. Charm is deceitful. Um, and yet the Word of God is our anchor and, and what we need to be looking at. Um, as, as Christians and as citizens uh, today. Um, there's some, a lot of issues that are, are ones that are, you can be either side, you know? There's a lot of, lot of issues that have a lot of grace and debate, but there's some non-negotiables, uh, like the sanctity of human life, right? Over 900,000 babies are being murdered every year, and we're, and we're this close from the Supreme Court ruling against Roe versus Wade and bringing it back to the states, which will save three, two-thirds of the states will then soon enact laws that will be protecting the unborn on a massive scale. To me, that's really important. But it doesn't really matter to me. It's, it's, does God's word say that supports sanctity of human life? Yeah. Another one's religious freedom. You know the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 22 um, and verse 25, he laid claim to his rights of due process under the law. Why? For the sake of having the freedom to proclaim the gospel. He appealed all the way to Julius Caesar's to have the freedom to proclaim the gospel. He was willing to lay down his life. Is that a high priority then, to have the freedom to proclaim the gospel? Considering that the early church laid down their lives for that? Yeah, that's really important. And yet, today, it's divided. We're divided whether or not churches should be treated the same as others. Some states are recognizing the ability for churches to be treated fairly like everyone else. I go to Texas. Ah, different world. Yeah. You know, totally different world. They say, yeah. I say, yeah, you bet churches are essential. Churches are more important than the hospital. Let's open those and keep those churches. I mean, sorry if I offended a fellow Texan out there. I used to live in Texas, so that's why. And um, yeah, that's, that's uh, in fact, I'm an Aggie from Texas A&M. And uh, that's where I learned my manners. But anyway... Fellow Aggies, that was a joke, so. Um, but the thing is, the fact is, today, religious freedom is a hot issue, and it shouldn't be, but it is. And what state you're living in and based on who is in governing authority is a huge dependent on whether or not you're going to have freedom of worship, freedom to, to proclaim the gospel and, um, in these places. And then we have the, the, the Christians being persecuted um, in other countries around the world, and, the, the, and whether or not we're standing up in the UN and play other places, calling that out is so important. And then Israel. Those who curse Israel, those nations who curse Israel will be cursed. Those nations who bless Israel will be blessed. It's non-negotiable. Are we for, for Israel? Are we against Israel? So those are some, there's some non-negotiables that we need to respect so that when we vote, we vote to please God and not to blaspheme against God and what his word teaches. Um, disobedient. Uh, disobedient to parents. 
Ah, I have two teenagers. Okay. So let me just tell you, there's a part of that that just is a part of life I've learned, okay? You know, I don't dare call my, do- my daughter, 16-year-old, my little princess. There's just something that just is, you know, she's not. She's a young woman now, right? And it's, so a lot of that is natural with, with kids sort of becoming their own person. I get that. But here what we have, and that, we've always had that, but here what we have is something very different in our world today. Here we have a complete pulling away of children from the beliefs and the values and the, and the conviction of right and wrong, of who God is or does God exist. That's pulling away. You know, four out of five children who come from Christian families who go to universities uh, today pull away from their faith, pull away from their faith. And then in our public schools and throughout, uh, throughout America, it's a spiritual genocide what we're experiencing, particularly here in California. There's now a mandate all the way down to the kindergarten level that children be oriented uh, from grade to grade to grade with parts of this program on the Child uh, Healthy Youth Act um, into the LGBTQ lies and deception. And, and, it's, and because I'm looking at the audience and who's in the audience, I want to be careful about what I say specifically. But I will say that it, it is outrageous. We have a video film we produced. It's called Sex, S-E-X-X-X, Ed, Let Parents Decide. How many have seen that video? Anyone seen that? Raise your hand high. Don't be ashamed. It's a, very good. Okay, good. Um, it's excellent. You're... Um, and it, we're trying to open the eyes because schools, public schools, have, are becoming a spiritual genocide, particularly in California. And we need to work hard to support our Christian te- the teachers there, the Christian teachers who are in public schools. At the same time, we need to be working hard. Uh, I like uh, Tanya. Uh, I, think she's, I think that's the name of the lady who heads up your homeschooling project here with home. Praise God. Praise God that we're reaching out to, to, to those kids and those challenges we're facing today. Um, unthankful. Unholy. Uh, unloving, unforgiving. I, I see the, the greatest cry for hate and, and resentment in our society today, which is the opposite of what we're talking about here, about here of, of love. The opposite of love is hate. Uh, unforgiving is, is bitterness and revenge. Um, slanderers, without self-control. When you, is, when you try to encourage Self-control, particularly when it comes to relationships, okay, you know what I'm talking about, okay. Um, you're often looked upon as, um, with, with a disdain, or even attacked, um, that you're not being tolerant. But yet, that's what's prophesied, that without self-control, basically the attitude is, if it feels good to you, if that's what your, your feelings are, that's what your, you feel your orientation is, then just give into it. And God's word says No. God wants us to have self-control. And by the way, we can only have victory through the Lord. Um, I remember when I was younger, I'd, I'd try to convince someone been against a, a wrong thing that they were doing. The first question is, do they know Jesus? Because you're just going to frustrate them. You know? How many believe they can, be, can, they can sanctify themselves without the Holy Spirit? No. We need the Holy Spirit. That's, that's part of co- coming to Christ. And and God working through us and encouraging one another. Um, but yet, self-control is disdained in our society. Brutal. Uh, brutal. Like violence. Like applauding violence. Justifying violence. Uh, we see it in the world. We see it in our country in a way that I, I never would have dreamed of just months ago. Despisers of good. 
despisers of good. Um, there are those out there who just really want to silence us as Christians. Uh, yesterday, I was at an event in Walnut, California, and uh, it was an event, uh, it was Celebrating Liberty, it was an outdoor event, we had some speakers, I was one of the speakers, yay, okay. Um, but it was, it, was, it was awesome, and they praised God, and they were praying, praying for the nation, had their distancing, you know, they even had mass, I mean, it was just... Uh, and there were four sheriffs, actually more than four sheriffs, right there to the left. I said, are they waiting to arrest you? They said, no, they're not going to arrest us. We're fine. They said, they're, 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 they're behind us. I said, what's the issue? I said, well, the Department of Health Services agent uh, sent us a letter yesterday saying that if we meet, uh, they will shut us down, they will fine us, and possibly criminally prosecute us and put us, put, put us behind bars. And their agent showed up, and he was right outside the entrance of the, this, this area, this park area that had a defined entrance. And they were going to go talk to him. I said, no, no, don't, don't talk to him. Do not give him consent to enter. Do not even talk to him. He says, he, he has no opportunity to give you service. He has no opportunity to present a warrant. Do not even talk to him. Just to, make sure your people just do, do not allow him to enter. And they went on, and it went on until 3 o'clock, and it was over, and the public health officer left. Now, I don't know what they're going to be doing. Our legal team has been notified. Um, but it despisers of good. And yet yesterday in L.A., there was massive demonstrations, pro-abortion massive demonstrations, no permit, no objection, no health, health authorities. So we see this, this, this treachery. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's what we have in our society today. Lovers of pleasure, worshiping pleasure instead of being lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And, uh, and it's so widespread where people think that they can be spiritual. You heard like the new age, because spiritual. I was, on, I was on an airplane once. I love talking about the Lord on airplanes. You know that person you hear just talking and talking and you just wish they'd shut up? Okay. Right here, it's me. And I can't help it, but I'm loud. And I just, it's just my nature. Maybe my, I'm losing my hearing, I don't know. You get in your 50s, maybe that starts happening, I don't know. So I'm on this plane, and, um, and I was talking to, uh, to someone, and I said, so, uh, so tell me, if you, if you don't mind me asking, do you have any religious background? Are you religious at all? Or, you know, I kind of told them what I do. I, you know, I speak it, and I speak at churches. I said, tell me if you don't mind me asking. He says, well, I'm, I'm not religious, but I am very spiritual. <laughs> I said, oh, really? Like what? He goes, well, I just really feel at peace with the universe. <laughs> I said, really? And, um, and how does that play out in your life? How, how's that? He goes, it just, it just is. <laughs> and I, it's like in this, it's like, like a cloud. There's no foundation. There's no substance. It's just this ooey feeling thing that lets, him do, lets you do whatever you want, and somehow you, it's a lie, it's a deception. Um, there's no substance, and yet we are gifted with the holy word of God, where two-thirds of prophecy has already been fulfilled, where there's more evidence and proof of Jesus' resurrection uh, than there is in, in most parts of ancient history as fact. 
God's given us truth, and yet he also bears that truth in our own lives and the transformation. Um, having a faith without a foundation, um, yet it's, we see it all the time, and it's prophesied to happen. We have a lot of things taking place right now at Pacific Justice. So I want you to please be praying for us. By the way, if, you're, um, if you didn't get one of these, before I forget, if you can please, I mean, you guys get these at all? Um, if you haven't, if you can please get one on the, way, on the way out and fill it out and just leave it on those tables. We'd love to keep you updated. We have 52 cases in active litigation right now as I speak. 52. Um, all without charge. And some of them are really some heavy cases. In Washington State, we're, we're litigating where uh, movie theaters are told they can have 50% occupancy. Uh, but churches, 25% occupancy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oregon, this group of churches meet once a month for outside worship and church services, public area. They're being sued because nearby is an entity that really thinks they're hurting their business. Take a guess. Planned Parenthood. They're the biggest losers. They, don't, they just don't like to have, <laughs> have, the, have the truth spread. And yet we got to love them, right? We got to pray for them. Um, and yet God's, uh, God's working. And, uh, and we're, but they're being sued. We're representing them. We're representing them. And then, um, and yet, uh, we, in, in California, we have a pastor being criminally prosecuted. Uh, a small church in the San Francisco Bay Area being prosecuted because he had indoor church services. Um, but his was different than y'all. So he had, everyone wore masks all the time, all distance. Of course, this, for the record, this actually is very in keeping with the guidelines uh, there are in those watching this in other places, so anyway. <laughs> it's a to in total compliance, and, uh, and we at Pacific Justice are here to affirm that in a court of law if necessary. So, but anyways, that pastor, he's being criminally prosecuted. He faces up to six months behind bars. Uh, I'm defending right now, we have a new office in Dallas. We have an office in New York, Mississippi, Dallas, Denver, uh, Nevada, Washington, Oregon, California. In uh, Dallas, we're uh, defending, it was, and I started it, now we've got the other attorney on it, defending a man who was preaching the gospel in a public place, public sidewalk. Actually, it was near, it was near abortion, uh, Planned Parenthood again. Um, they really just don't like preaching. So uh, he's being criminally prosecuted in, in Dallas. Dallas, you say that's Texas. I mean, that's... That's God's country, right? Texas, right? I mean, you know, it's uh, gospel tracks at every Dairy Queen, you know, but, um, but reality in cities like Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of hostility towards people of faith, people proclaiming the gospel. He's been criminally prosecuted. He faces up to six months behind bars, um, and we're representing him. Um, and his ability to, to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus as a part of his church ministry. Okay, so we see lots of, of ch challenges and struggles that we're facing. And I could end it right here. And that'd be really depressing, wouldn't it? And what's really awesome about God's word, it's not depressing. Uh, you know, the, the early church went through tremendous persecution. Paul referred to it as momentary light afflictions. Um, and yet, God's word is so great because he gives us the blueprint on how to have victory amidst this persecution. And it's so important. Uh, verse 10. But you, but you have carefully 
followed my doctrine. So we talked about what's going on in the world. He says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering. Ooh. Okay, I, 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 have a, I don't like that one. I mean, it's fine up to faith, but long-suffering, what does long-suffering mean? Long-suffering. It's not short inconvenience. It's long-suffering. Saints, we've got to be willing to endure long-suffering for the sake of the cross. It's that important. And then the next verse is interesting. Love followed by perseverance, persecutions, afflictions. Okay, how does love stick in between long-suffering, perseverance, persecutions, and afflictions? I can't do that. I can't love amidst persecutions, afflictions, long-suffering, but through Jesus, I can. The love of Christ allows and enables us to shine God's love in times when it makes no sense at all. Do you know, I think that's one reason why the church grows in times of persecution and why so many people come to Christ in times of peril, because they see the difference. It's easy to be happy and content when everything's going great, right? A non-believer can be the happiest, seemingly, when everything's going great, but when things are not going great, uh, or when you're being persecuted, particularly because of your faith, and you're exhibiting the love of Christ for forbearance and love amidst these afflictions, it's powerful. Um, the testimony and power of our testimony grows exponential amidst persecution and afflictions. Um, so let's just pray for more persecution. No, I'm not saying that. Um, but we need to be real willing to deal with it when it comes. And we at Pacific Justice help those to be able to continue to share their faith and share the gospel because we don't want to surrender that. But we also need to understand this is, is becoming. How many have perceived more open hostility towards Christians and Christianity in the last 10 years? Just raise your hand if, you, if you've seen that at all. At all. Yeah, it's, it's pretty obvious in the workplace, in the schools, in other places. It's very obvious. Uh, but yet, through Christ, we can do it. And then verse 11, it says, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and I at uh, Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now, wait a minute, Paul. <laughs> I know about the shipwreck. I know about the stoning and the... And all the, the whippings and the scourgings and the Lord delivered you? Yeah, well, he didn't say he wasn't going to go through hard times, but the Lord delivered him to continue the work amidst the hard times. Isn't that awesome? That God will do that and allow us to continue to do his work amidst the hard times. Uh, the Lord delivered, and he will deliver us. In verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus may someday possibly be persecuted. No, is that what it says? You're saying, okay, no. It says, yes, and all desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, period. Um, and why is that the case? Because if you're living for the Lord, people are going to see Christ in you. And one of two things usually happens. Either one, they're drawn to it, um, they're, they're drawn to that love, that, what you have, or number two, they're repulsed by it as darkness hates the light, because you're convicting them. Your life convicts them. And it shouldn't be because of your bad breath, okay? It should be for something else, okay? So I've heard Christians sometimes try to spiritualize hot conflicts that really are not spiritual. It's, it's, it's other things. But uh, nonetheless, 
We're going to suffer persecutions. And then verse 13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is amidst the church, amidst the denominations. We have to keep our eyes open uh, to imposters, deceivers, wolves in, in sheep, sheep's clothing. Uh, verse 14, but you must continue in the things that you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. This is awesome, folks. Clinging to the word and letting God work through, God's, through his word, through your lives. Um, this is awesome. Can we live as, have victory amidst persecutions, afflictions, if we don't read God's word, if we don't meditate on his word, if we just listen to the news channel? I'm telling you, conviction right here. Um, there's times now I just turn off the news. I say, I've had enough. And, and, and then we have a choice and to get into God's word. Some of you don't like me and I like to read as much. You know what? Audio. You, know, you can have Bible apps. You can actually go through the entire Bible in a year with devotions. We're guys in our church are doing that collectively. It's awesome. Um, and yet we need to cling to God's word. Okay, and, and once again, why is it important? Verse 16. If that didn't get you already, Verse 16, all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay. If you don't like absolutes, this is not the scripture for you, right? Because this is absolutes, absolutes right here. What's exciting, this is great promise too. This is what God does in his word. Now, mind you, I know sometimes I've done this before, especially when I was younger. I was more, a little more legalistic. I read my chapter every day. Every day I read my chapter. Da, 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 da. And therefore, I told you, that was a supplication of thinking. Good night, I've got to. And then all Amen. And then you ask me, you say, what one thing you just read? I says, I don't know. <laughs> but I did my duty. Is that what God wants? It's like a marriage. Does God want me to talk to my wife and say, okay, sweetheart, it's, it's five o'clock. Uh, I want to affirm once again my love for you and I commitment for you. May God bless you. <laughs> that would not be the way to go, right? <laughs> I mean, instead, God wants a community, wants a relationship, right? So you know what I say? If, if you only have time, if you're rushed, okay, one verse. Just read one verse. Meditate on that verse. Talk to God about that verse. And, and, let, and let there be that community, that relationship. Um, and it's so difficult. Praying is probably one of the most important things that I see missing in the church today, is prayer. I went to South Korea, a speaking thing there. I went there with a proud attitude. I thought, I'm going to show them the new ways of doing this, this, and this. And I was so humbled. I found out that, um, that one-fourth of all the Christians there come to church at 5 a.m. in the morning for an hour of just prayerful intercession. And do you know South Korea has more missionaries per capita than any nation in the world leaving? And by 2035, they'll have more in total number than even the United States probably, based on projections. Prayer is powerful. And it works. 
So that the man of God may be... Okay, chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom, and he's about to give us a charge. Would you say that's pretty important? You know, it's not a recommendation. And in the authority by which he's laying claim for this charge is pretty impressive, right? And what is he charging us in verse 2? He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. What's out of season? When it's not popular, when people aren't going to like you. Um, we cannot be pleasers of men. So many churches in America have become pleasers of men. They say, we're not going to touch on this part of the scripture. We're going to skip this because I know there's people in my church that are going to be offended by that. They may not come to our church anymore. Translation, they may not be tithing anymore. And, you know. Um, no, God wants us to preach his word. In season and out of season, even when it's not popular, we're supposed to preach his word. And, uh, and you don't always get, it's not always easy. You look at the prophets. <laughs> you know, they didn't turn out very well. Look at the early church, the disciples. Eh, didn't have a good ending for any of them. Um, I guess John, it was on Pampas, on an island, he died maybe of old age and, you know, on that prison island, you know, where he was, but it wasn't very good, but that's okay. What's the worst that can happen to you, by the way, when you live for the Lord? I talked to a group of pastors about this. I said, what's the very worst thing they can do to you? And one pastor says, well, they can put us in prison. I said, no, the worst is they can execute and kill you. I said, what's so bad about that? Oh, we all have to die. Do you want to die in a hospital with an IV stuck in your, your vein for 30, 60 days? Or would you rather die for Jesus and get it over with? I'd rather die for Jesus and get it over with. I mean, it sounds crazy by the world standards, but when you look at it spiritually, it makes sense. And yet, and the, I think that's the, the, the attitude God wants us to have. Even when it's out of season, not to give up, not to be intimidated. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering. There's the long-suffering again. And teaching. For the time when will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. <laughs> oh, do we see that? But you, you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. Um, God wants us to be watchful and to be aware of all things. That's why I love to keep people updated with our sign-up. She'd love to keep you guys updated, partly because you can, so you can pray, uh, so we can be aware of what's going on. It's good to watch the news. I have a bias of what news I think is more fair and balanced, but I'll leave it, at, um, I won't go there. Um, that's not in the scripture, so I'm not going to go beyond that. But, um, but at the same time, God wants us to be praying, to be aware of what's going on, so we be praying, enduring afflictions, do the work of advantage, fulfill your ministry. Some of you may be saying to yourself, well, that ministry thing, of course, that doesn't apply to me. That's talking to Timothy because he was a special anointed, right? It doesn't apply to me because I don't have gifts. I don't have skills. I don't have abilities. There's really not much that I can do for God's kingdom. You know what? It's not about you. It's about whose you are, not who you are. When you become a child of God, you have the living God in you and the Holy Spirit working through you. And we just need to be open for God to work through our lives. I know a story of a, of a young man. He was 16 years old. He was in a major auto accident. A motorcycle went right through his windshield, head on, smashed through a part of his, his, his skull. Uh, they had to 
uh, cut a large hole out of his skull just for his brain to swell. About a third of his brain was hemorrhaging, the whole left frontal lobe. Logic, reasoning, analytical thinking, speech communication, toast. He couldn't even remember his younger brother's name. The doctor said that even if he lives, he still could be a vegetable and you may still have to pull the cord, end quote. And yet, our God, saints, is a great recycler. He loves to take that which the world throws away and do something new. Why? Because he's glorified all the more because of it. And this young boy, he grew up, got his degree in finance using that left frontal lobe, graduated with a 3.86 GPA uh, from, a great, uh, from Texas A&M. You're getting there. And then went to law, one of the top 20 law schools of the country. And if you haven't figured it out, it's me. And the reason I'm sharing this story, people say, gosh, you want to tell people you had brain damage? And that really doesn't, does that really help your credibility? Yeah, it, it's, it gives glory to God. Because, folks, if God can use a guy that had major brain damage, because I did. You look at the CAT scan. It's like my neurologist, he said, you must have been a, a genius before your accident. <laughs> I mean, after law school, I mean, I was, and I said, and yet I took, yet when, in school, a little, little side note, I was in uh, California elementary schools. So I went to Claremont. And they have mentally gifted minds program. You take those tests, you build the blocks, whatever. You get an IQ of 140 or above, boom, you're in the program. That's how it used to be. I never made the program. I never put the blocks together correctly, I guess. You know, I never built the wall, whatever. I never had the 140, ever. Well, three and a half years after my accident, I took an IQ test just to see if, how crazy I am. Because crazy people know they're crazy because they're crazy. You figure how that works. And, Downward loop. Anyway, so I went ahead and took the test. You know what my score was on that test? A 140. And then, that's, that's not explainable. Did I, still, did I still have my quirks? Oh, yeah, my halo is still real crooked. Okay, talk to my daughter. She's my biggest critic, probably. Um, she's just solid. And, um, and yet, the point is, it's not about us. It's not. It's about who we are in Christ, allowing God to work through us, and being willing to suffer and take what the world gives us for the glory of God. Isn't that awesome? That we have that opportunity to do that and to be that um, by his grace and by his power. Uh, verse six, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the, the race. I have kept the faith. Wouldn't it be awesome to have that be your ending, you know? To live life instead of for the day of retirement, to live it for the day, the, the day you die, your deathbed philosophy. It's a real different ch mind changer when you, when you put things through your, your deathbed filter. On my deathbed, what am I going to think about this decision? And Paul, he fought the good faith all the way to the end. Uh, he fought the good fight, he finished the race, he kept the faith all the way to the end. Uh, and that's what I hope it is in my life, that's what I hope is in your life. But it's not a guarantee. Um, we can choose to, to live for other things. We can choose not to allow God to be fruitful in our lives. And it's foolish, uh, but it's a choice. And then verse eight, this is awesome. Um, this is finally, this is finally, okay, after all he's gone through. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Okay, whoa, stop right there, Paul. You, the crown of righteousness, you who used to be called Saul, 
who was like the Osama bin Laden of the early church, that you persecuted men and women, you went out of your way, you, were, you had the, 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 the blood of Stephen, on the, the first martyr on your hands because you held their, their coats for those who threw the stones. You? Yeah, because Paul knew it was not about him. It's about the fact he put his faith in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, that, he, that Christ died on the cross for his sins and that he could have his total confidence, total confidence, not on his righteousness, but on Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And yet, sometimes people, well, let's, we'll continue on. This is, now this is talking about Paul. What about the rest of us? Oh, here it is. And not only to me, but also to all who loved his appearing. Uh, some may be saying to yourself, ooh, that's a tough one. How much would I have it be in all who said a certain prayer at a certain time? Right? Because that's, I mean, that's often how people come to Jesus. I mean, it's, you can often remember I said that prayer. But a test of whether that was real is what's your heart if you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow at 2.30, you know? Or maybe you've gone through confirmation, right? And you think, oh, that's good. But here's a test. If you knew that God was coming back tomorrow at 2.30, now no one knows the day and the time. Okay, I get that. All right. I'm going to be corrected, I know. So. Um, but tomorrow at 2.30, what would you be thinking and feeling? Would it be... Oh, shoot, I've got a big real estate deal at 3.30. And I, this is like my, this is my big deal of my life. <laughs> oh, that's a good sign that maybe your heart really doesn't, isn't with the Lord. Otherwise, you'd be ecstatic about Jesus coming. Or is it possibly also one of fear? Like, oh, shoot, I don't know if he's going to take me. Because I've got some dark things in my closet. And by the way, everyone has a dark closet, just for the record, okay? We're all, we're all... Staying sinners. But I got some dark things in my closet, and no one even knows about this, but I know about it. And I, how can God forgive me for this? I can't even forgive myself. You know what we're really saying to God? That's the same as walking up to, to Jesus Christ on the cross. And just picture him there on that cross right there, dying and bleeding in pain and agony and gasping to pay our sins on the cross to bear our death penalty on the cross because the wages of sin is death. He's bearing on the cross. And we walk up to him and we say, you know, nice try, Jesus. But you see, for me, that's just not good enough. And his response to that lie, I believe, was manifest when he said, it is finished. And if we, if we receive it and believe it, he will separate our sins as far as the east is from the west. And we will become holy and righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ, totally accepted and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And if I just share, I'm just sharing that just now, you felt the Holy Spirit convicting your heart that you're someone that has not fully surrendered to Jesus Christ and fully received his forgiveness. I'm gonna give you a chance right now to do just that. Because this is the day, this is the hour. Don't wait off, don't hold off. Let's receive Christ right now. And if you're watching this online, this is the time. Respond, the Holy Spirit um, is probably calling and, and convicting you right now. It's probably not, that's not me, that's not, that's probably the Holy Spirit. And it's your opportunity to respond. Let's pray right now. Father, I thank you and praise you that you're on your throne. 
Thank you, Lord God, we can put our hope and our trust in you no matter what we're going through, no matter what the afflictions, the persecutions, Lord God. Let your love flow. Oh, Lord God, let your Holy Spirit just immerse us with your love and, and appreciation, Lord God, for all that you've done for us on the cross. Father, we also pray, Lord, for those who do, who do, not, who do not know you. Maybe they've been religious. They've gone through the motions. But they don't have a personal relationship with you. They don't have the confidence that you have really accepted them and, and forgiven them of all their sins. Father, right now we want to, with every head bowed, if, if, if someone's out there, just simply pray this prayer with me right where you are. Just simply say, Lord God, I'm a sinner. You know all of my sin. And right now, I choose to receive your full forgiveness, your full payment on the cross for all of my sins through your death and resurrection, making me whole and restored with you. Thank you, Lord God. I, I, I want to serve you, and I just surrender my life to you. Make me in the person you want me to be. And I surrender before you right now, and thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, some of you may just pray that prayer, and Satan is really ticked off because he just lost his hand of dominion over your life. And so you know what he's hoping now? He's hoping that you're going to forget about what just happened. He's hoping he's just gonna, you're just going to minimize it, forget it. I want to make sure of that. Let's give him a second black eye today. Um, if you just, I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but if you just prayed that prayer right now, I'm going to ask one little thing for you. Will you just simply raise your hand so we can clap and welcome you to God's family? Did anyone here this morning pray that prayer? Praise God. Anyone else? Anyone else? Praise God. Anyone else? Praise God. Anyone else? Awesome. Glory to God.